Kom, 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 kom. Eh, ska vi se. Slå här med lite här på bröstet. Gain it for riffs. Welcome to Gain It For Riffs, the only podcast about riff, as far as we know. I'm, uh, well, uh, I'm, well, I'm sitting here by myself. My name is Ole, and I'm joined by my beautiful, wonderful, and uh, too far away co-host, uh, Jan, in Stockholm. How are we doing? Doing well. Doing fine. Got a good riff for today uh, from a great band. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's uh, a contrast to what we've heard before, I think, a little bit anyway. Uh, Uh, let's see, and uh, I'm very curious about what you brought. I have no clue today. Mm. Always, uh, that's always the case. We have no clue what the other person brings, and uh, that makes for a special treat every week. Uh, yeah, I think I got a really epic riff, but with uh, maybe even more epic stories surrounding it. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear uh, how much you know about this riff. Uh, so I thought, why uh, linger on? Why not start immediately? Sure. Let's kick it off. All right. Yes. yes. And if you're a Gain It For Riffs hardcore listener, you know that we've been touching upon this before, right? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. That, uh, Greg Allman played on this song? Duane, Duane Allman. And Duane his, Allman. I'm going to get to his part now, actually, because it's uh, this riff is in in many ways a, a collaboration. So uh, what we just heard was the... Uh, guitar of Eric Clapton, and here comes the guitar of Dwayne Allman. All right, what a great lead, and what a cool lead that is. I love it. Uh, it's it so cool, well composed, really. And yeah, yeah, very good. And obviously, uh, to be clear, dear listener, it's an Eric Clapton song. Um, but uh, well, yeah, Wayne, I mean that's that. uh, for sure. It's from. I mean, it's released under the name of Eric Clapton, right? Yeah, it's Derek and the Dominoes. It's the the supergroup that uh, Eric uh-huh. Clapton put together with uh, Dwayne Allman, mm-hmm. uh, among others. And really? uh, so, yes, and so here it was Derek... not released under the solo name Eric Clapton. No, it's Derek and ah, the Dominoes. Uh, <laughs> I've been wrong for 35 years about this. <laughs> well, he made it kind of, kind of when Dwayne died. I think he took the song for himself, I guess. But uh, uh, um, yeah. and here, dear listener, for your listening pleasure, here you have the whole, uh, the whole setup, the whole, uh, all the guitars played at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
it's so fat, man. It's uh, it's got everything. You have um, you have a doubled part of the rhythm guitar in both speakers, and then you have the the one overlay in the left channel and another in the right, and then you have uh, uh, the the lead guitar of Dwayne Allman. It's like the fattest production ever. It's insane. And it's so much fun to play it. And it, you really have to present it like this. Otherwise, it doesn't make as much sense. I Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, actually, it made a lot of sense when you play the two parts alone. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, it's a composed piece. And uh, for me, that lead does it. And yeah. I didn't know up until we did this uh, pod show that uh, that lead was signed off by Dwayne Allman. Mm. I didn't know that. No, he uh, actually he wrote both riffs. Uh, so he, Eric Clapton had had uh, he had written the song, the lyrics, and I mean the chords. And then uh, when they met, uh, when Dwayne uh, Dwayne uh, and Eric they met at an Allman Brothers gig, and they became friends instantly. And they had, uh, as described by uh, people around them, they had an, uh, a uh, chemistry. A riff chemistry. I mean, they they were like oh. uh, ending each other's uh, licks. It was like oh. they they were meant to play together. So that that's why the song is so cool. And uh, I think uh, before and after Eric Clapton hasn't done anything as good as this. Uh, I mean, that's saying a, quite a lot from someone who played in for someone who played in Cream. Uh, yeah. A, afterwards, is, maybe it's not so interesting. When but, is this dated? This song, uh, Leila. Sorry. What 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 year is it? Nineteen uh, uh, seventy, uh, right? Uh, I want to say seventy. Or am okay, I? So uh, early. Uh, but still after. That's slightly earlier, right? Yeah, Two exactly. Before "Sunshine yeah. of Your Love," I don't know if that's a Captain riff. It could be a Jack Bruce riff, actually. Uh, I think it's Jack Bruce wrote these songs, and uh, if you go on Spotify and look up Jack Bruce, he has like max 40,000 listeners and Eric Clapton has like 200 million. It's uh, yeah, yeah. sad, he, man. He was kind of, it's he draw the shortest straw, so to speak. He got yeah. the shit end of the stick. The shortest straw has been pulled for you. The shortest straw has been pulled for <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> Jack Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I think we've got some good energy going, so let's uh, keep on going. I, yeah. I wanted to return um, to the rhythm guitar, which is like it really lays a foundation to this uh, the whole the whole piece, and it's it's really cool. It's just like yeah, I mean. It's great. That's masterful. Yeah. Like, there's, I, I have no add-ons to that. What can you say? Like, that's just... A no, I, I mean, the only thing that makes it better is to... To do, yeah. Put that on. And then, then how they do it, they just let that uh, ring out. And then comes the... I mean, what the yeah. fuck? It's so good. It's really good. You know what I'm what I'm thinking about now that I hear that? I think about like a, almost like a Miami Vice and the sax <laughs> comes in. It has that kind yeah, of, but, uh, but cooler yeah. because it's a guitar. And then mm. Very high up, right? <laughs> and 
yeah i mean i mean it's yeah, it's, it's so the, the strange it's thing good. about this song and i think yeah and i think you're right and uh, the funny thing about the song that it's only a, uh, something like three minutes that is like this and then the whole song ch totally changes it it turns into a, a piano coda uh the, a melodic piano piece uh that the drummer jim gordon wrote uh allegedly uh, actually his girl uh, ex-girlfriend wrote it but he took uh, credit for it and uh yeah it, it just changes from this uh powerful uh, <laughs> show-stopping rocker to this kind of uh mellow piano piece with a beautiful slide guitar solo by uh uh Dwayne Allman but in in with our ears of today it sounds a little bit like something that would fit right in into a cheesy 80s uh, sitcom it's a bit like alf, alf soundtrack or uh, it's really strange it's a kind of uh, jarring in a way i like it but it's really strange and so this song has two parts but today we're gonna <laughs> speak mostly about this riff i think that's enough uh, as the story goes uh, eric clapton had a uh, uh, he was um, he he was uh, he was friends with Dwayne Allman, but he was also really good friends with George uh, George Harrison from the Beatles. And George Harrison was married to a girl named Patty Boyd, and uh, Eric Clapton uh, knew both of them, and he fell in love, uh, kind of uh, miserably fell in love with Patty Boyd, and he, this song is about his love for her, uh, which made it a little bit. Um, uh awkward the whole situation but as it resolved he married ended up marrying uh patty boyd and then he uh later uh divorced her but i mean that's that's the story that's where we're at now where he's writing this lyric and uh leila the the person in the song is from this uh i think a persian poem uh love poem about uh a girl named Leila and uh, and a man who's in love with her and uh, but he he's so in love with her that he can't go through with the wedding and it's just it's yeah sad uh, sad story. Um, yeah, I heard from I uh, had actually when I studied film music in in Stockholm University we had a one hour guest appearance by uh, Peter Runolfsson I forgot his name now okay. sorry Peter whatever he's called from the band Ragnarök a good Swedish band and ah. he, he basically spent the most of the hour talking about uh, Clapton and George Harrison okay. <laughs> very nicely and he said well. that Clapton had been diagnosed with some kind of thing that some kids have when they desperately need their friends toys they ah. have to have them ah. and then when they have them they're no longer interested in them so he's, he's kind of you know he, he has a bit of a bad reputation actually mm. Eric Clapton maybe yeah. because he's huge Maybe he's like overly scrutinized, but uh, apparently he had some issues. Yeah, possessive issues. And we can you can kind of imagine uh, <laughs> he was kind of an indulgent character, also, right? He uh, went really hard on the. Was he uh, hard on was heroin? He on heroin? Yeah, he was super on heroin. Apparently, yeah. when he put out, put down those leads in um, "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" mm. uh, by the Beatles and written by George Harrison, apparently he he was. Incommunicado, or whatever you would call that. You couldn't Already speak then. to him. He, he Already just arrived then. in the studio, strung out on heroin, and played guitar very beautifully, but yeah. uh, couldn't speak, or Whoa. didn't want to. Already back then. That's crazy. Already back then, yeah. yeah. So they, that's what they say. I mean, only uh, someone really famous can uh, indulge in this way and survive, right? This is... Uh, 
survive and even yeah. thrive kind of someone rich i guess that's what i wanted to say yeah, not famous. yeah you gotta be rich. <laughs> well you have to be maybe you don't have to be famous to be rich but it helps maybe <laughs> yeah you don't have to be rich to survive severe drug use but it definitely helps well gain it for riffs laying it down ladies and gentlemen laying it down kids yeah. don't do drugs unless you're a millionaire <laughs> so uh well, I, I wanted to briefly actually, or yeah, return to uh, the the last part of this song, uh, which has an even more horrendous uh, story attached to it. Do you know uh, this uh, anecdote? No. I'm no. On the so, edge of my so the now. piano code, as I said, was uh, allegedly written by Jim Gordon, the drummer's uh, girlfriend. Uh, but uh, Jim Gordon got uh, uh, got the writing credits for this song, so uh he uh, uh he was a, a really like a brilliant session musician session drummer in the 60s and 70s and he played on a lot of uh a lot of projects and uh, especially he played with Eric Clapton on uh, I think he was involved with Delaney and Bonnie this uh, like was a couple a couples duo that played rock uh, rock and roll that uh, Dwayne Allman and um, uh, Eric Clapton also played with uh, but then he was, uh, of course, in in Derek and the Dominoes, and uh, but he uh, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia in the eighties, and he oh, murdered shit. his mother uh, in a <laughs> in yeah, a psycho during a psychosis. So that's he was dark. That's yeah, beyond dark. Yeah, so he was sent to uh, to prison, of course, and uh, he's still in prison, and uh, because he doesn't want to get out. He is uh, every every time he's up for parole, he skips out or totally fails it. Um, but because he has the writing credits on uh, Layla, he is the richest inmate in the U.S. Uh, prison uh, penal system. He is uh, beyond so rich, weird. and he doesn't do anything with the money. Maybe he is tricked by the other inmates or something. But uh, yeah. Uh, all of this is so weird, man. I mean, mm. I'm not often weirded out, but <laughs> this, yeah. as you know, I've heard a lot, I've seen a lot, and uh, you know, I, I know people with the uh, with the uh, crazy tendencies, and I'm half Finnish, and half of that country has mm. some of that. <laughs> but mm. uh, yeah, long story short, this is among the most crazy things I've ever heard. Like, first off, you have Eric with his possessive issues and all that, and Pat, Pat, and uh, George, and then this, yeah. yeah. With this, with this, I didn't know this part. This part makes it like it ups, ups the ante, really. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, the yeah, and and have, it's it's really strange when I every, every time I hear this song and it comes to the coda, and the coda is now I'm just gonna free uh, <laughs> freestyle it, but it goes something like. Uh, um, it's really like cheesy yeah. but it's also beautiful and then you think this this really really hor horrific sad story about him murdering his mother i mean can you imagine anything worse uh and no. sitting in I, and being I, in prison I, I simply can't i can't imagine anything no. worse it's the worst i've ever heard yeah honest. yeah <laughs> it's kind of it kind of is yeah. it kind of is so on that sour note no but, <laughs> but I, mean, I mean the song yeah. to get to the feeling of it i'm mm. gonna of course let you explain how you feel but i'm just gonna say that i get none of this angst no in the no. song in no. the in the actual music of the song i'm just feeling like 
this is like hitting the open road, wafer sunglasses on, mm. and just, you know, you know, it's like an intro to a, to a, to a feel-good uh, party night or something. You know? there's, there's no anxiety for, for what I do. It's so great. It is, it is a party song, but it, it, there's a shadow. There's a little shadow in it. It has yeah. a little bit of a dark, uh, deep purple vibe without, you know, not the band Deep Purple, but the color. <laughs> the first time <laughs> the first time I heard the song, I heard it like over the PA uh, a bit far away. I thought it sounded great, but I couldn't hear what they were singing. So I was like, <gasps> bad blood, do, 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 bad blood. Like... <laughs> It's not what That's a good title too. Yeah, it's pretty good. I was like, "Oh, Bad Blood." Yeah. Have you heard this song, Bad, Bad Blood, by Derek and the Dominos? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, cool song. Yeah, it's fantastic. Great trivia too. We're like, uh, how, how couldn't I know this part about the, the, the? Was it the drummer you said? Yeah, the drummer. Yeah, the drummer, his mother. Jim Gordon. Oh, uh, that's, murdered that's his mother and went to jail schizophrenic. Uh, he's still there. That, that's the thing. You like imagine? Okay, that happened. But he's still like he's still there. Yeah. He's still alive, and he still gets royalties, royalty checks, you know, yeah. every month. But like, I mean, a at, lot. at least he's not. At least he's not Vince Neil, you know. Vince Neil has been. He's never been properly put in jail, and he's like uh, no. you know, killed, killed people by driving drunk and stuff. And he's like he's, yeah. he's running free. Yeah, I, mean, he, I, yeah. I have more respect for for Gordon than Vince Neil actually. And I just said that it was the worst thing I've ever heard. So mm. there you go, Vince Neil. <laughs> Mötley Crew, we might return to them, or actually, I know we will because they have one riff that I really want to play on this show. But uh, we'll leave that for them. <laughs> cool, they're a very divisive band, right? I mean, there's a lot of definitely, there's a lot of hate definitely. in me for, for Mötley Crew, but definitely. at the same time, you know, they they are somewhat impressive in some things they've done. Uh, yeah, so, so I I just wanted to yeah um, I don't know uh, go go back to the riff one more time and. Um, because you have this uh, hammer-on pull-off situation going on and, uh, on three places on the neck. So you have the rhythm guitar playing it uh, on the third fret. Uh, so what you do is you do a hammer-on from open uh, A string to third fret. And then... So you, and then you do the same on the string above, on the D string. And then back, and then back again. And then the, the second position is on the 7th and 10th tenth, tenth fret. And the last one is uh, uh, very high up. And together, as you heard, dear listeners, that just sounds amazing together. But then... then uh, doing what Dwayne does to add this other melody on top. I mean, it, it's maybe it would have sufficed if it was just the same riff, but he adds the melody. Ah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And like what I said before, I didn't even think about it when i said it like i can't add anything to this riff and then uh, mr allman comes in and he does exactly that <laughs> like he he takes a perfect riff he makes it 
perfect perfect thing perfect by putting that thing on it on top of it like yeah. uh, how cool is that and it it's totally like a sax melody but uh, yeah with a cooler sound it's just it's so good yeah so maybe good. I, I think about baker street uh by jerry yeah. rafferty a lot uh jerry rafferty yeah. true yeah that's even closer actually than um uh, crockett's theme yeah. from miami vice but both those songs it's hard recommend go mm. listen to them in <laughs> any case at night in the morning with your coffee with your beer with your cocktail <laughs> With your smokes, whatever. <laughs> you know, go listen to those songs. Yeah, George yeah, Rafferty, Baker Street, uh, Miami Vice, uh, Crockett's Theme by John Hammer, and uh, obviously Layla, uh, yeah. by, uh, Eric Clapton, or actually, what were they called again? Derek Domino and Bros. the Dominoes. Derek and the Derek Dominoes. And Dominoes. Yeah, very uh, like totally arbitrary name. <laughs> it's like you couldn't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, it's just so forgettable. <laughs> I'm gonna forget in five minutes again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay yeah uh, that was really fun to play this uh riff it it felt really good uh i think i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did uh the the story surround i mean uh yeah the story surrounding this riff and like uh go deep diving as as i did you know hearing people's stories about jim gordon and what happened i mean it's yeah it's it's a lot I like when you have some trivia and I've got a little, little tiny bit of feedback because we are on air since a couple of weeks now and people have told me that their favorite part is uh, the trivia part. I mean, that doesn't speak for every listener, but I've had that uh, feedback. So it, mm. I think it's always good to have some surrounding stories. And yeah, I saw, uh, well, I, well, I saw, saw, I don't know who it is, but uh, I saw he got, or he or she got very excited about uh, me playing uh, Limelight. They they started looking at these uh, uh, Alex Liveson videos that I uh, that I uh, referred to, and uh, I mean, uh. if you re uh, yeah, that's uh, that's also nice feedback, I think, uh, because I mean, yeah, it's, sure, trivia, but um, for me, first and foremost, it's uh, about the riff, and the riff might take you anywhere, be it trivia, yeah. be it funny or sad trivia, or be it technicalities, uh, technical uh, musical details. It could be musical details. It could be life. I mean, look at Limelight. There was philosophy there. There was mm. personal personal psychology in there. Yeah. And, uh, and then we, yeah. I mean, you travel around the world. You just start from the riff and you go anywhere. Well, maybe we should maybe we should do an experiment when uh, when we just go through very <laughs> very meticulously. Yes, and then you have an open string that you hit on the seventh fret. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna I wanna <laughs> sh like I've I've tried actually consciously to to sh slow down a bit on the describing exactly <laughs> I, how to play it. I like it. it. Yeah. I, I like it, but, and uh, I don't I care what anyone like says. And I don't care. Yeah, actually, I like it too. <laughs> I like it too. I'm just kind of sucking up, selling out to the audience when I'm trying to minimize it. Because I actually also want to go into the great details of how to play it. And yeah, we'll see in the future. If you hate it, you can say it. If you love it, you can say it. I mean, yeah. Gain it for riffs at gmail.com. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, and also when you listen to podcasts, you always have the choice to uh, go forward, skip 15 seconds. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, I always 15 do second skip, I love it. It's great in Spotify. Yep. When I'm looking for a favorite part of a podcast, I use that too. So mm. It's really good. And uh, yeah, uh, what about a new country? A yeah, new country please. for riffs. Please. A new country of riff origin. Oh, Are yeah. you ready for that? Yeah, totally, totally. I'm super excited. Wow. Yeah, and this song really kind of emphasizes on where it's from in the way it's written. Uh, but I learned it quite recently, so let's see if I can play it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, but which song? Uh, Emerald, no? Emerald, that's correct. Emerald hey. off of uh, Jailbreak. The, their kind of breakthrough album, Jailbreak. Nice. That's nice. And it's very clear the origin of this music, right? It's uh, Irish music. Irish-Brazilian. You could say so. Yeah. Why but not? really very Irish, it's, right? This so is you have the the three the three four rhythm the uh, mm. one two three one two three one two three one two three and uh, and also the the melody language the melodic language in in the song emerald is is very um, irish and emerald is of course uh, describing the island right yeah i think so, so. Uh, the country yeah, the, the uh, color you call it the emerald island oh, i'm okay. guessing a little bit but that is that is the color of ireland this uh, very romantic color emerald green yeah i didn't know that i didn't know that obviously i knew that it was an irish kind of jiggle an irish kind of song yeah but from, on uh, the live album live and dangerous people he uh, introduces this as uh, yeah if uh, what does he say if you're on the airy the another name for uh, ireland uh, people yeah, go fucking crazy like bonanza you know and bananas yeah yeah, yeah. and then they, yeah, they the start album. this and it's just like the biggest woo naturalistic fervor that you ever heard on a live album yeah naturalistic fervor that's elegantly that's nicely put uh i think uh, yeah from the album it's a hard rocking type album but they have a bit of a range in their sound it's uh, hello malmö <laughs> malmö <laughs> skåne småland småland småland, småland. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. Let's just keep it at that. But yeah, the, the, this is a hard rocking album from uh, 1976 yes. uh, called Jailbreak, and they had done some albums before that. First uh, with another guitarist instead of the the iconic duo of Brian Robertson and uh, uh, what's his name? He escapes me now. Scott Gorham. Scott, Scott Gorham, Gorham and yeah. Brian Robertson. Yeah. They, before that, they had another Eric Bell another guitarist for a few albums and then uh, they kind of reshape their sound with these guys but they didn't really succeed and at the time of recording jailbreak in late um, 75 they were basically told by the record company that you're gonna have to it's, it's gonna have to contain hits otherwise you're gone Oops. you're out <laughs> but so it's over for you guys they were in depth and they really like made an effort to make an album full of hits and they succeeded. Yeah, they super succeeded. Boys are back in town. Emerald jailbreak. Yeah, cowboy song. Cowboy song. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's great. And Many I, good songs on this album. Yeah, and I mean these two uh, guitar guitar players. I mean they kind of perfected the twin lead. Uh, I must yeah, say, yeah, it's so good. According to uh, Scott Gorham, it was uh, stumbled upon by a mistake when uh, they used a delay in the studio, or the engineer used a delay for uh-huh. something Robert had done, and and the delay was so widespread, or so it was such a long delay, so it, the lead lick harmonized with itself. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, and we got two guitarists. And the other side of that, why they had two guitarists, was uh, because Phil Lynott, they, uh, he had had some problems with uh, guitarists leaving and stuff, so he said, like, let's have two. So if one of them leaves <laughs> or gets fucked up, we can still play. I mean, that, that, <laughs> so it's a cool that coincidence, happened. right? Yeah, 
I mean that happened also like Brian Robertson as we spoke uh, last yeah. episode he yeah. also left uh, for Motorhead. Did, did. They had right? a lot of the, such such problems yeah and clear the, he didn't really leave for Motorhead. What happened was uh, that they had their, their they had released Jailbreak, they had the hits, they were ready to like now they were ready to explode, go tour America. Oh yeah. And the night before leaving, Brian Robertson uh, gets into a bar fight and destroys his hand. Uh-huh. The night before leaving, you know, the flight is probably there at 10 a.m. in the morning. He decides to go to a bar. He claims that he was sober, but protecting his friend from a, like a bottle swing to his friend's head. He put his hand in between the head and the bottle and <laughs> it was destroyed. He, he couldn't tour. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, they yeah, said yeah. that that was a huge blow on their career because a lot of the promoters in America were not um, sympathizing at all. They were mm. like, okay, so who the hell goes out into a bar fight the night before an important U.S. tour? Mm. We're probably not going to work with this band. So yeah. it was a huge blow on the reputation, and it was frankly very stupid of Brian <laughs> Robertson to, to do this. Very, very stupid. But until then, up until then, we're we're going back in time a little bit to talk about the greatness of this album, maybe, and this uh, this riff, for sure, on Emerald. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. And they, they continued to be great afterwards. They, they made huge albums after oh, that. Yeah. So okay. that, that glow didn't destroy the band at all, but it was definitely a huge dent along the road. And they also added another, uh, uh, yeah, arguably great guitar player, but also with <laughs> kind of a temper, Gary Moore. Yeah, the, I think the, he left the band at least three times, maybe more. <laughs> at least three times, I'm sure he left the band. Yeah, I mean, having Gary Moore and Phil Linnott in one band, I mean, <laughs> no band is big enough, I think, for these two guys. Probably not, probably not. And Phil Linnott is, is great to bring him up. I think he has such a cool style. I think he's just maybe the coolest because he has this kind of street uh, swagger to him, but he can also like full on just go up with doing these warrior fantasy adventures lyrics and and kind of, you know... He can wear that too. Yeah. So he's got like the range from like a cool punk rocker into the land of, let's say, uh, almost man of war. Almost yeah. man of war, but much cooler, right? Definitely. I mean, you have like the, the song, The Rocker, which is not of this, uh, off of this album, but it's like, uh, yeah, really. But it, it's a kind of the same um, uh, themes as uh, boys are back in town. I mean, it's really like the the cool people gets all the girls. I mean, that's who he is. And I think that he yeah. spoke about this that his attitude was so over the top because he was uh, he was uh, black and he uh, was in uh, he lived in um, Ireland. So he had a sure. I think his father was from Brazil and his mother was Something from like uh, Ireland or the yeah. vice versa opposite and he really he said that yeah he, to to look like this in this country you have to be tough as nails and so he was yeah i mean if, what i heard in, in when i did the research for this i watched a documentary about them uh, and then uh, the, the, it wasn't him talking but another guy said that he he figured that he's always going to be strange he's always going to be like sticking out he was basically the only black guy in town mm. at that time that's at least what they said so he figured I'm gonna be like uh, I'm gonna be the odd one out here, and I might m- make some use of it. So he got mm. into poetry, he got into stagecraft, into music, thinking that he could make use of being the, the weirdo or the, the the one that is not like the others. And sure as hell, he did, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, I, before I had a thought before that I was going back to I was thinking about the rocker and, and the themes of uh, the the music that he has this this kind of broad broad scope of uh, lyrical content. He, uh, 
on that album they have a song called Things Ain't Working Out Down at the Farm. <laughs> it's just <laughs> everyday trouble at the farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's about the great pota- potato famine uh, <laughs> that led could to be, the big Irish. Um... <laughs> yeah, sure. And I mean, to get into Emerald, I love the lyrics and the singing on this one. And he, immediately he puts the Irish scene on by saying, "Down from the Glen." Mm. <laughs> you know? came on is there anything more Irish? Than, anything more Irish than a Glen? What is a Glen? It's a valley, right? Um, yeah, good question. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm familiar with the word, but. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's say it's a valley. <laughs> From a Swedish context, context, we have uh, Gothenburg on the west coast of Sweden, and uh, they had a lot of trade with the uh, British Isles. A lot of guys are named Glen in, in Gothenburg, and uh, it must be from the trade of the with the British Isles. Yeah, exactly. So they're down from the Glen. They came on marching in with their shields and their swords. Yeah, pretty cool yeah. uh, lyrics. <laughs> To fight, to fight, they believe to be right. Overthrow yeah. the overlords. Yeah. I mean, there you go with the Man of War stuff. But it's Man of War without being comedical, without with being more like, you know, just kind of, uh, what's the word? Motivating, you know. It's, yeah, it's motivating but... type lyrics. You're, on, you're with these guys now. Like, you're riding down from the glen or marching down from the glen. You've got shields and swords. And it's time to fight the fight you believe to be right. Thro- yeah. Overthrow the overlords. You know, I mean... It's just, Somehow, it's, it's exactly, but it's brilliant. not. It's not from a totally apolitical landscape, like uh, yeah. But it's not from yeah, exactly. But it's not from a uh, completely apolitical landscape or I- idea frame like Man of War. I mean, it, it, it. You also have the 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 bat, You know the the constant battle against the overlords of England. I mean, and the, the IRA uh, yeah. being big around this uh, era, or yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely a, a real fighting song. Yeah, and if I go into the the feeling of playing the riff, it is very much the feeling of of this scenery. I think it kind of of the emerald, you know, it's like an, a a theme for Ireland, kind of, right? Yeah, I mean, with you, the, you the know, rhythm and everything. Yeah, and, you know, and the verses. Yeah, and the verses, you, you get this kind of hang, which is just nice for the singing. <laughs> And it sounds heavy metal, but proto heavy metal. Like mm. No frills at all heavy metal. It could be otherwise. It could be something like. Yeah. <laughs> something like that, you know. But I'm kind not. of I'm happy that it's not like that. It's it's just me enough. too. Me too. Me too. That would be over the top if they start galloping on the thirds. Yeah, minimalistic uh, heavy rock. <laughs> <laughs> melodic cool, right? melodic me- minimalistic heavy rock proto nah yeah. <laughs> but isn't it a very cool band thing Lissy? isn't yeah, it like it's appealing cool to, appealing to many i would say because yeah just uh, get uh, so much from so little in a way yeah no it's a fun band. they also yeah it's a lot of variety in their songs uh definitely but i think the the kind of sense of that there is romanticism in uh, in uh, phil Linnott's poetry it really goes yeah. uh, always like it always uh, is an important part of their music that it, yeah. it's so it's beautiful uh, lyrics uh, but also like very romantic it's a romanticized version of everything i mean the if, if he sings about the rocker like he's the coolest rocker in the world if he sings yeah. about the warrior it's you know the most epic uh, scene you can imaginable 
you know, exactly. or the jailbreak. They it's were, like, you know, like the best yeah, yeah. film you ever seen or cowboy song, you know, the most yeah, cowboy cowboy <laughs> you can imagine. The more it. we talk about them, the, the more I like them. That's the effect with something like yeah. And the high and the low of being romantic in the context of a song like Emerald or uh, uh, Warriors Massacre. Massacre is the song that is exactly the same theme as Iron Maiden's The Trooper. Uh, exactly the same battle scene and uh, both great songs they were a huge inspiration for for maiden and still are and i think his ability to keep that romanticism like with the 600 unknown heroes riding into death and then on the same maybe not the same album but from the same period we've got dancing in the moonlight which is you know i've always i always get chocolate stains on my pants (laughs) when i'm going on a dinner date or when i'm going on a movie date and yeah cool right Yeah, Dancing in the Moonlight. I just had to yeah. bring a, <laughs> a change to bass just to see if I could play it. Such a when good When I hear bass, that bass line, uh, I have to snap my fingers. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's a one. When I saw you in the doorway, you shook me with a glance. Ah, so good. So like the most romantic, yeah, to take it to an extreme, the most romantic moments also become the most romantic moments in history i think that's the the key to to fill in not i mean the the romant the romantic aura everything is so good i can't stress enough how much i love that range from you know dancing in the moonlight chocolate stays on my pants and then right into 600 unknown heroes riding into the valley of death yeah you know it's such a wide scope and how can he master both those scenes so well it's like a movie director that makes both the best uh, romantic comedies and the best uh, epic action movies, you know. Yeah, if, yeah. And that that was probably never seen. I don't know any such director. I mean, I mean you could say he's uh, like the Steven Spielberg of mel- uh, minimalist melodic proto heavy metal. Could that be? <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. I have another riff that I really dig. It's. Uh... Woo! You know which one that is? Um, the uh, warrior. No, what's it called? Uh, it's uh, "Don't Believe a Word." Ah, from, "Don't uh, Believe the, a Word." Yeah, who's that? Yeah, nice. from uh, Johnny the Fox, um, or also "Live Dangerous." Actually, anyone listening, go and buy "Live Dangerous." Yeah, not gonna be disappointed. Oh, yeah, what, exa- a good, exactly. what a good album! What a That's good so album! Good. Some controversy regarding if it's uh, after fixed. And personally, I don't give a fuck. I mean, they could they could be recorded in a studio for all that I care because it sounds better than the studio albums. The performance is amazing. The energy is great. Yeah, and the drums surely are not tampered with, so you get the real drum, real live drum grooves. And maybe they redid a lot of guitars, bass, vocals. I don't care. No, but so if good. if if we're looking at at uh, live albums from the seventies, I mean you, that's what you did. Pete Frampton comes alive. Uh, it comes alive in the studio. Kiss alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's the True. same story. True. But you, that's what you want. You know, like the ma- the magic is in the studio somehow. I mean, live, of course, but you can't. I mean, you you will if you if you went to the, to those concerts that, where they recorded Live and Dangerous with Thin Lizzy, and then you listen to the album. You're gonna think that's how it sounded, you know. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, no one, no one good can point. say differently. I think. I mean, the, it's about the feel to preserve that feeling. And if it's, 
And if yeah. the, the soundboard isn't up, up to snuff, I mean, yeah, put an extra lick on. It's perfect, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would say that uh, you're really right. There. You got a great point there. And I could, you know, it could be compared to a photograph. Yeah. When you take a photograph and you go in and you after edit it a little bit, you, you shop it a little bit. You mm. don't do that to, to really, uh, it's not to warp it. It's not to make it something it wasn't. It's to get closer to what you saw with your bare eyes as you snap the photo, yeah. you know. Yeah. So kind of uh, retrace in back to the original vibe, like you said about the concert. If you were there, it probably sounded as awesome as it sounds on Live and Dangerous. Yeah. Uh, then again, uh, Gain It for Riffs never would do this. We Everything we you hear on this show is completely live. There's no editing going on or anything. It's just how we do things. <laughs> That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Uh, okay, yeah, this, it's really nice that you bring up Thelissia. I was wondering like when, when, and who is going to bring it up first because it's it's, it's inevitable, you know. It's it really is, yeah. one of these cool bands band. that's so influential and um, yeah, I mean, just so like surprise. It's just surprising how good they are. And everybody loves them, I think. Yeah, I've never <laughs> met know? anyone never... hating on Thelissia. That would be no. uh, strange. Yeah. Very cool band, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it also like it's interesting backstories surrounding this. They had they had their issues for sure, and mm. uh, Phil Linnott actually to to go back to episode three, a limelight in the black. We discussed uh, Neil Peart's reluctance to being famous. Uh, oh, yeah. Phil Linnott was the absolute opposite. He loved being famous. Oh, yeah. He loved the idea of walking out of his uh, hotel with uh, leather pants and uh, and uh, sunglasses and walk right into a limo. And, you know, right there and people wanting to uh, treat him, people wanting to be with him, girls wanting to hang out with him. Yeah. He really dug that and he was clear about it in interviews. He said like, yeah, I'm not really one of those rockers that are whining about being famous. I'm rejoicing in this. But that may have uh, led to his demise as well. The right? downfall, yeah. He became a severe alcoholic, right? Yeah, I don't know what the mix was, yeah. but I guess the, the company line is alcoholism, I guess. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's what you say uh, in in these uh, situations when uh, when a star dies early. That's what the yeah. record label. If they have to say anything, it's alcoholism. But I'm sure there. I think there was probably heroin. Like you know, explain the early downfall and the early demise, and which obviously was inevitably led to the end of Thin Lizzy as we know it. I've actually seen Thin Lizzy live, uh, like uh, not too recently, but quite recently. But it wasn't Thin Lizzy. It was a cover cover band featuring. I think Jon Sykes did the singing. He was okay. an official member for Thunder, Thunder and Lightning album, so he's kind of, you know, but it's, it's, a, it's a Thin Lizzy cover band featuring some members of Thin Lizzy. Yeah, uh, doesn't sound too interesting, no. No, 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 I was like, it was on Sweden Rock Festival and I was maybe a kilometer up from the stage. <laughs> I was <laughs> sitting up on a hill, uh, up on a hill very comfortably just looking at these tiny figures. Uh, yeah. There was no reason to get any closer to the stage. Mm. And I uh, do you know anything about uh, the um, the artist that made a cover of uh, the Jailbreak album? I don't, but uh, I'm hoping you do because well, the style is, has that kind of a uh, comic uh, style, uh, like a graphic novel, I guess you call it, right? Yeah. Now I put myself on the spot, but I think it's a it's a it's a comic uh, a comic book artist that made uh, a couple of their covers. Uh, and now I'm super unsure. I really wanted to know this, so maybe we'll uh, call upon the help of our precious uh, rock police to. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we good. might need rock police for this. He can drive in and put you in, in place. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think they had a couple of those, right? Nightlife, was that also like a, a, a graphic novel style or comic book style? Yeah. Jim Fitzpatrick made the cover of uh, the Jailbreak album and a couple of other albums of uh, uh, from Thin Lizzy. He also is uh, famous for making the portrait of Che Guevara into this um, stylized version. You know, oh, really? like you have the you have the photograph that became so famous, but arguably what uh, what became even more famous is the style, uh, stylized portrait that's you know it's very easy to just uh, screen print on t-shirts and on posters yeah uh, so he was behind that i mean the more you know really yeah i have a personal connection with that because one of my first snowboards i bought and yeah it had the Che Guevara on it <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is my dad is uh he's not uh not left wing and he felt like oh shit yeah that's that's that guy i didn't know who Che Guevara was at the time and later when i came to know i sold that snowboard i didn't want his face on it in for riffs, getting political. Uh, no, again, okay. <laughs> no, no, we're not getting political. But let's say, let's keep it at that. I didn't want a snowboard with Che Guevara's face on it. <laughs> That's not something I don't want. That I'm glad it's out of my possession. But it's cool that he's the same guy. What yeah. was his name? Uh, Jim Fitzpatrick. Uh, yeah. So then we go from Layla, uh, Derek, and the Dominoes to Phil Linnott. And uh, well, who who's the guitar player? Would you say of? Um, it was the, kind of the same. Uh, the same problem there to or to make to make the distinction of who's the actual guitar player, the maker of the riff. Do you know? Yeah, I'm gonna guess. This is an absolute guess, but I'm gonna guess uh, venture guess that Phil Linnott wrote the riff actually. Uh -huh. that, uh, that that the two guitars kind of harmonized it and uh, and um, f took it further. Uh, but I don't know about this. You know, it's, it's the, the, I haven't done the research for the writing credits to be honest. But my feeling of this band is that Phil wrote a lot, and then the guitarists would come in and kind of um, make it flourish. Yeah, with yeah. their with their add-ons. Yeah, so that uh, concludes this episode of Gain It for Riffs. Really nice with these two fat riffs and uh, interesting backstories. Uh, interesting trivia yeah. is what uh, our <laughs> is our middle name. Uh, no, but. Uh, Seriously though, uh, I really enjoy it uh, every week to do this show uh, showcast, this podcast with you yeah. and you, dear listener. Uh, if you like what you hear, please go to Apple Music, Apple Podcast, and uh, add a five star review. That helps us a lot. Recommend it, you know. Just uh, word of mouth is fine too. Yeah, you don't have to go all digital about it, sharing and whatnot. You know, just uh, spread the word if you dig it. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, to round this episode off, why don't you play us uh, a round of Thin Lizzy? Yeah, sure. <laughs> 